There we go. Hey, everybody. I'm Daniel Johnson. I am an associate marriage and family therapist in California. I also host the Color of Thought podcast, and you can find me every morning at 8 a.m. on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, uh, where I do a meditation on the Suma every day. So be sure to join me there. And this is my friend, Adam Cross. Hello. <laughs> I'm a licensed <laughs> He is also a marriage and family therapist. <laughs> go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. Yeah. And uh, every day at 8 a.m., you can find me barely waking up. Um, <laughs> I'm not doing much. <laughs> Playing with my daughter in the morning. <laughs> well, I'm only up early because if I don't walk the dog before 7, it's too hot. So uh, <laughs> that's, yes. that's yeah. why I'm awake. So. Nice. Um, Anyhow, uh, today's question, so I'm building an ebook right now for my website that I want to give away to uh, anybody who joins my email list. And so I'll just pitch the question to you, Adam, and, and we'll see where it takes us. What is, what are the absolute fundamentals of a Christian spiritual life, of a Catholic spiritual life? And so I think, you know, in, in good Aristotelian fashion, let's look to our goal first, and then we can maybe break down the specific um, steps. So what is, in, in as concise a term as possible, hmm. what is the spiritual yeah. life? What's the goal of the spiritual life? Hmm. Okay. The goal of the spiritual life. <laughs> I would say proximity to God. I don't know if that's like concise that. or, or too concise. <laughs> no, no I, I think that's I think that's precisely right. It's not only proximity to God, but we can then take a step down, so to speak, from that and say, um, how do human beings experience proximity? Or yeah. or maybe let's just take the the buzzword, how do we experience intimacy with other yeah. creatures or with other persons i guess is the right yeah. creature right so how do we experience intimacy yeah so yeah so looking at what proximity and intimacy looks like with god um i think you know the biggest thing is probably having that i don't know somewhat casual prayer routine with god that being able to talk with god um and, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that we aren't praying reverently, but that we're able to uh, just be able to converse with God in a, in a natural way uh, throughout our day. And I forget who saint, which saint said that, right, to pray unceasingly. Um, but I think that really is what it is. It doesn't mean that we're praying to our Father 24-7 or Hail Mary, but that we could just be inviting God into everything we're doing, sometimes just very casually, right, just saying, you know, you know, Jesus, I trust in you, or come Holy Spirit, or um, just even talking to God about our day as we're doing things. Um, I think that really can change what we do in the present moment, right? To very simply to invite God into it. Um, and, and that's just one aspect of, of prayer, but I think that's a, a pretty powerful one. Um, you know, and we were talking about mindfulness to really get into that, uh, just being present in what we're doing, inviting God into that, and um, really offering that moment up to God as a prayer can be really, really powerful. Well, I love your insistence on 
simply or casually, because I don't think, I, I think the exact wrong way to approach the spiritual life is as if it were something um, insurmountably difficult or um, to, to quote another line from scripture, you know, uh, uh, out of our grasp or, or beyond our reach. It is something very much um, we are capable of. And it, it's, I mean, I always jump to historical examples and, and maybe sociological examples, but it seems to me that um, one of the, some of the very first and most obvious instincts of, of human nature, you know, no matter how far back, you know, 40,000 years you take it, you always find religious objects, you know, uh, things designed to cultivate a kind of a proximity with God, with the divine. And, and this is something, you know, universal in the human experience, even outside the Christian um, revelation, that there is always an effort to um, transcend the present moment and, and be in touch with something permanent or, or divine. So, no, it, it's not something which should be viewed as, as um, you know, it, it's an interesting, and I think, well, okay, that might be going down too far of a rabbit hole, but um, I think part of why Catholics view the spiritual life as intolerably impossible is maybe the way we go about talking about the lives of the saints. There is this yeah. kind of, um, <laughs> that, yeah, and, and some of the elements that go into our discussion, which is why, I mean, the last three pontiffs, they've, they've been canonizing... Um, well, uh, to, to reuse your word, very simple, very casual people. I mean, there's yeah. this, um, I forget his name, but there's the the 13-year-old boy from Italy who's being canonized. Mm. Um, very yeah, yeah. And, and I saw that. Uh, who's, yeah, it was strictly a devotion to the Eucharist. I mean, that's not a strict thing. Uh, that's, that is yeah. a very <laughs> important thing, uh, yeah. uh, especially coming, I don't think his family was necessarily Catholic or, or practicing mm. particularly. So um, yeah. I, I think he was a convert, actually, if I recall mm. correctly. Um, but the, my point is that I think it is important to keep in mind to add a different descriptor not just simple and casual but to keep in mind that this is a very natural thing for human beings yes to, yeah. to have this ability to place themselves in the presence of the divine i think yeah. i think it's a very natural thing yeah um, and and i think there there can be a tendency or maybe even a fear that creeps in of like i need i need a hefty prayer life almost like i need I need to be spiritually buff. And there's a, I think there's a good um, podcast, Catholic stuff you should know. They talk about muscular Christianity, right? And being able to say, I do this and I do that. Um, and I think growing up, that was kind of tempting. Like, oh, I, you know, to have a good prayer life, I need to add these things to my to-do list, right? And then I'll kind of be this good Catholic with a good prayer life. Um, and there is a lot of peace in knowing that, especially as lay people, that, um, our vocations, our prayer lives are going to look different than someone who has a vocation to the priesthood or, you know, to religious life. Um, that, you know, singing and praying all 150 Psalms every day is really cool. That sounds awesome. Not something I can do as a married man. <laughs> um, so, but sometimes people can get it in their heads. Like they see these saints and they're like, wow, look at, look at what the saints would do with their lives every day. 
It's like, okay, but most of these saints were religious or they were priests and they were nuns. And, and so they had this time, they had this, this was actually their life. <laughs> um, and not that any of those things are bad or discounted, but that as lay people that can look very different, right? With, you know, whatever our roles are, but especially little kids running around, you're not going to be able to sit down as much and really dive into um, huge prayer routines, you know, or, or as many devotions. It's um, sometimes it's not as practical. Well, and your insight there is a very sound one. While the monk, the married man, the single person, and whatever other varieties of life there are in the church, while all of those have um, different expressions, the goal is always the same. It's that proximity and intimacy with the divine. But each of those um, ways of life or lifestyles, to use a, a very loose term for a vocation, um, are designed to facilitate that intimacy in different ways, I think is probably the right way to look at it. And it's an interesting yeah. thing because as a layman, um, there are lots of us who discern a kind of, um, what what would you say, like a, a quasi-association with the religious order. You know, there's all those third order Carmelites running around in Dominican. Yeah. Um, Opus Dei, and I won't give any juridical terms because you always get corrected the minute you bring up canon law <laughs> and Opus Dei, but whatever they are, there's a, a quasi-religious structure mm -hmm. to that, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah. And, and you know, even quite frankly, like the confraternity, uh, or any confraternity, frankly, but the confraternity of the Blessed Scapular, um, the Carmelite Scapular, is another example. There are these kind of... Um, quasi-monastic associations that lay people yeah. can cultivate. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, that's, well, I don't know how to properly to describe that relationship. That's something in addition to the vocation, yeah. to lowercase v there, or what have you, yeah. we have with, with being a parent or being um, a member of our parish community in, in some facet. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think those are beautiful, um, I think really commitments that people and families can enter into. I mean, my, my parents, uh, were a part of a Catholic lay community when I was in middle school and high school. Um, and so I got to see the, I guess really just the community of the church in that way. Um, and that, you know, it really is a further commitment that you are making, right. To, to a specific order of life right to a way to express and live your faith within that community with some guidance um yeah so it, those are really really cool options and um you know to but but they stand in addition to yes it's not can. the foundation for prayer <laughs> the yeah, yeah no, you're right no, so it's not the no. the well, it's useful because you know those orders and those communities they they have found a um, a system of life which for most people work to facilitate yeah. that kind of intimacy. But maybe let's bring this back down yeah. from, from that meditation because I, I think that's a worthy and, and valuable meditation. But that being said, um, maybe the 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 next question is. Um, you know, we could kind of, you know, do a brainstorming and do a list of necessary expressions or, or, or useful expressions of the spiritual life. But maybe the, 
the question needs to be something like, what are the top 10 things that a Catholic needs to be doing mostly yeah. daily? Mostly daily. Oof. Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, 10, well, maybe 10 is too many. Maybe that's maybe I mean, that's a good can, internet arbitrary number yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we can we can brainstorm these together because that means it's not formulated in any way. <laughs> um, well, something about – so if intimacy is going to be the goal, mm-hmm. it seems to me Eucharist and its various devotions have yeah. to take primacy. Yeah. Because just the reception – I mean, there's no more intimate act than bringing someone within you. Yeah. And so, and so that, you know, reception of communion or at least adoration or anything yeah. kind of vaguely related to the mass seems to have to take some kind of priority. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. So if that is something that someone is able to, to do, right, uh, and, and we're talking mostly lady here, right, um, that someone can go to daily mass or can go to adoration for maybe even 15, 20 minutes a day, that is awesome (laughs) right to be able to be with jesus in that very physical tangible way i think you're right that would take primacy um and so yeah that's a good start um the other i guess good second would be what reading reading the mass readings or or even watching mass yeah 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 incorporating some scripture into our day just spending time with with the word of god um and that might be Lexio Divina, right? Um, you know, that could be just reading reading a psalm a day. Um, could be doing the mass readings, but really spending some time with with scripture that would be really good. Um, another thing that might be along with that is is journaling, right? So um, sometimes that's good to pair with scripture because we can kind of journal about what's coming up as we read the Word of God. Um, it could be a prayer journal, right? It could be dear father, dear Jesus, or it could just be journaling what sticks out to us, kind of journaling as you do some Lexio Divina, as you're asking those questions, right? Like what's sticking out to me from this passage? Um, you know, what is God trying to speak to me? What is God calling me to, to do or, or, you know, change in my life? So journaling can kind of help us organize our thoughts with that. Um, another one that sticks out to me, it's at the end of the day, is the daily examine. I think that is really helpful for, for Christians. Um, and there's a lot of different formats for daily examine, right? I have a Roman Missal and there's one in the Roman Missal that I like. Um, and it kind of involves, you know, praying an act of contrition, kind of going through a bunch of different things throughout your day. Um, and, and it also has on the back, it's a remembrance of death, which is kind of cool. You're praying to, you know, remind yourself that you're going to die asking for God's mercy, but, um, there are, you know, working with teens and young adults a lot, <clears throat> there's very simple daily examines where you really don't need to get out a book at all. If you just kind of remember those things. And I, I think I first heard it from father Mike Schmitz. I'm always shouting him out, but, uh, he's awesome. Um, and he breaks it down to, you know, daily examine is these three things. It's what did I do well today? Right. So that done well category, what can I improve on from today? And what am I grateful for? Right. And then you can say an act of contrition. So if you can just remember like those four things, um, it becomes a lot simpler, right? So done well, improve on, grateful for, act of contrition. 
um, to kind of close out your day. Um, I think that's a great practice to help us examine and take accountability on what, how we can grow as, as humans and, and what we're, we're called to do. Well, and, and the journaling would be a wonderful way to facilitate the examine at the end of the day. So if you're doing yeah. your journaling in the morning, so to speak, you know, we're, we're mm -hmm. already assigning times to all this, but if you yeah. do your journaling with Lexio, um, you know, that also is a, a place upon which you can read or reflect at the end of the day, you know, what did I do well, you know, mm -hmm. and, and in what way am I growing in intimacy with our Lord? That's a very, um, yeah. the, the journaling facilitates that I think beautifully. Um, and I love this question yeah. of examine and it's something, it's, it's a little, um, at the risk of stepping in my clients' spiritual lives, it's, it's something <laughs> I do regularly for homework with my clients, not only to yeah. do the exam, but I'll even ask a specific question to include in their exam, you know, based upon the conversation we had. So if, if the client developed a, a practical resolution during the, the conversation, I would include that or some other things. And I, I think, especially for Catholic therapists, really honing in on how the client is using their examine at the end of the day, or, you know, I think what St. Ignatius said to do it twice a day. So there's that option too. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think honing in on that is a really fantastic way um, to help clients build upon what is already good in their life, yes. but also to begin to kind of right the ship a little bit mm -hmm. um, where, where it's listing. So, so I yeah. think those are good. Um, the, the one thing I would add to, so we've got mass, adoration, some kind of um, being in touch with the sacrifice, and then uh, scripture, lexio, journaling, and examine. I would add in there um, maybe to take a look at Liturgy of the Hours, because mm, and, yeah. and that stands kind of in between mass and mm -hmm. lexio, because yeah. the, the Liturgy of the Hours, is, it, it's the book of the Psalms, arranged for daily mm -hmm. reading and the psalms of course were the prayers offered during the jewish sacrifices so it is it is the hymns and we even use it in our liturgy obviously we have the psalm at every mass and the and the idea is that that hymn is meant to be a preparation for the reception of the sacrifice mm -hmm. in some way and and psalms are especially in the old liturgy they're sprinkled throughout even the priests getting dressed yeah. he's supposed to recite a particular song yes. yeah. um, so it's it's definitely it's all very easily easily connected to the sacrifice um so i do think now that commitment of the liturgy of the hours is something that the church requires of her religious mm -hmm. um but it is and and so that kind of transitions me into kind of the next category of of spiritual practices you know, yeah. the rosary is often called, called the lay person's psalter. That is to say, it's meant to be, you know, the way a layman can pray later to the hours and, and be prepared for, for intimacy with our Lord. So yeah. that gets us into things like chaplets, litanies, uh, yeah. scapulars, uh, rosaries. Um, I'm sure there are a whole host of wonderful <laughs> things that I have never regularly done. Novenas, yeah. I guess, a variation <laughs> on that. Um, yeah. But uh, to say nothing of reading lives of the saints. So I wonder how do we approach those things or, or what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah. Um, 
I, I don't know if this is a controversial opinion, but I, I think that these devotions um, are very personal and that, you know, I have some people say, you got to pray the rosary. You got to, you got to pray the divine mercy chapel. You get in there. It's so like, you got to do it. And it's like, these are good. <laughs> um, but it is really looking at your own prayer life. Right. Um, and I, and I, I sometimes struggle praying the rosary. Um, and, and I think part of it is because when I was in college, I would pray it, but I prayed it like, because I thought I had to pray it. Like I have to do this type of thing where it became kind of a chore. It became a routine. Um, and so now a, a little bit older, I'm trying to approach it less as like a chore, right. As, as really that intimacy with God, um, as something that I'm choosing to do because I love God. Um, and sometimes that's hard. And I, I think that can be a good thing, right. A good challenge. Um, but you're right. There's so many different things. There's so many different devotions that sometimes we can get lost in it and say, well, you know, what do I do or what's best, right? Like, is the rosary better than the divine, than the divine mercy chapel? It is this, you know, is this novena or, you know, what do I do? What, what litany do I pray? Um, and so sometimes it is almost good to see where God is speaking in your life, right? If there's a certain litany prayer that really stands out to you maybe that's good to, to begin praying for a while. And it, it doesn't also mean that we're going to be praying it for the next 80 years of our life, right? Like if you need the list litany of trust right now, that's, that's really good. But maybe you won't be praying that same litany a year from now, or maybe your, your prayer life will change. And I think that's okay too. Um, so I don't know, I guess all those things, they are very good, but it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint some of them. Obviously, I think the rosary is the biggest devotion that we have, like you said, for the layman. It's, we're reflecting on the mysteries, the life of Christ, um, and it really is supposed to be a meditation, right, as we pray this, uh, on bringing us closer to Christ. Um, so, I don't know. Those are random thoughts I have, but it, yeah, it is a wide, it's such, it's such a wide range. There's so many options. That's the beauty of our, even the Catholic spiritual life. There's diversity in that as well. There is diversity, and, and you bring out, I think, the exact right principle. I think, I think we have to be sensitive to where we are hearing our Lord speak to us and not approach these things as a strict to-do list meant, meant to be fulfilling just by, by their performance. And so especially in, in this category of, of devotion, um, I think we... I think that's where a spiritual director comes in handy. I think that's where yeah. conversations with other people pursuing a spiritual life, you know, does it not necessarily a director, but, you know, just somebody to, to, to reflect our experience a little bit with us. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think those conversations become very helpful. Now it's an interesting thing because religious orders will mandate some of these things. And yeah. so then the religious are obligated to kind of, well, I, I guess they're obligated to figure out how to be intimate in this method of prayer. Um, I mean, I assume the Dominicans have some kind of obligation for daily rosary. Yeah. <laughs> to, to imagine that that's the case yeah. for the Dominicans. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, and I'm sure there's many other examples like that. Um, mm -hmm. So that being said, maybe, hmm, at the risk of getting people off the hook 
in their spiritual life. We're not <laughs> advancing in their spiritual life. Um, what is, what are the absolute necessary elements of a Christian life or a Christian spiritual life? Absolute elements of a Christian spiritual life. Um, and, and is this like a date? We're talking about so a daily aspect or no, I, I what think prayer looks like. Cause like clearly canon law says you got to go to mass. You got to do confession yeah. twice a year. Um, I think twice a year. Uh, I, I do it a lot more. So I'm, yeah, I think it's well, at least it's once, at uh, the very at least, least once a year, right? Okay. Leading up, to um, you know, observe the regular fast, and we didn't even talk about fasting. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, I mean, yeah. I get uh, keeping in mind that our goal is intimacy. I mean, I guess the rule is being sensitive to yourself and and what it takes to be intimate with our Lord. I guess yeah. is the rule. Yeah. I mean, I think another big element that is overlooked is probably just silence, right? That, that built in time for silence and listening to God, right? That's, that's one of the things I struggle with the most, even as a therapist, it's my job to listen, but oh man, tell me to sit in silence for 20 minutes. I, it's, it's hard. Um, and it's something we have to build up, but I think just allowing that time in our daily lives to let God speak to us um, just for a period of time to not be speaking to God because <laughs> that's really easy. And so many, again, there's so, there's so many prayers that they're not bad, but that it can be us asking for God, asking God for what we want or, you know, um, us just talking. And so building in that time to be receptive, uh, to listen to, to God. I think that is, really important probably I mean, now it's it's harder but um because we're busier we have social media we can always be listening to something right with with technology nowadays but that is super important just to build that time in and it might be starting off slow right it might be okay i'm gonna sit for five minutes and then i'm gonna go to 10 minutes and i'm gonna 15 or 20 um but i, I think that's key no it's an interesting thing and i i think silence gets back to um, that notion of, you know, there, there's a very natural activity taking place here, such that if you kind of strip away a lot of the, the noise um, of contemporary life, you're left with the experience of your ancestors, you know, without electricity, without uh, the only music they could hear was music they produced in the moment. Um, so, yeah, there there is definitely a... You know, we, that, that's definitely one of those kind of very normal elements of a spiritual life. You know, you, you're placed into a humble relationship with nature, yeah. having to confront it without all the distraction, the kind of veil that we put over ourselves with, with modern media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and fasting is also another one of those practices which... Mm -hmm. um, what is uh, just to, since I seem to be on an Opus Day kick today, um, with that kind of opening meditation from Jose Maria in the Forge, Saint Jose Maria Escriva in the Forge, is um, uh, you know the 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 Catholic who the the person who approaches a meal without um, abstaining from part of it is eating like a pagan. That was a meal you ate like a pagan. Is is one of his famous lines. Um, and, you know, I mangled by yours truly, but more or less, that's one of the same <laughs> time. 
but uh, yeah, so there definitely is, you know, kind of that series of, of um, ways to dispose ourselves, I guess, for intimacy, silence, fasting, um, our ways to um, make ourselves able to even be aware of God's intimacy and his presence in our lives. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I've been reading a lot of uh, Henry now in the past year or so. And I think just um, <clears throat> in that silence and yeah, just reclaiming that identity of the beloved. And that means making time to listen and be with the one who loves us. Um, I think that's, that's huge. Right. And it's, it, it is, it is hard, but it, to compare that to, you know, a marriage to just be with your spouse, to listen to them, um, to not be talking over them <laughs> in a conversation all the time. I mean, those are very, well, I mean, to, to get back to the notion that grace builds on nature. I mean, what is it Dr. Gottman says? You need to spend at least 90 minutes a week talking to your spouse if you want to stay yeah. well, right? Um, just listen to your spouse for 90 minutes and, and you will do wonders for the probability uh, that yeah. you will stay married. And I think, I think similarly with our Lord, you know, you have to make regular time to listen, to be attentive. Yeah. So, and if you don't make that time, it doesn't really just happen. Right. I mean, when do we find ourselves just, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me, but sitting in, in kind of that boredom, like, well, you got nothing to do. And maybe now more than usual with quarantine, but it's pretty easy to find stuff to fill that silence if we don't intentionally choose it. All right. Well, that's a whirlwind through the spiritual life. <laughs> but, uh, I'll yeah, that's no, good. I will uh, finish this book up actually today, I think. Um, and, uh, once I get it off to my editor, I may send it to a few other therapists like yourself and see what they think before I push it into the arms of the public. But, uh, anyways, thanks for the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. And, uh, check out, um, Daniel's other podcast, colorofthought.com. And you have, what, what is your locals page? Do you know? Yeah. Right now it's colorof.locals.com. So, but you can find it my website if that helps so cool yeah and i'm on youtube i mean if you're watching us on youtube you already found it but catholic therapist <laughs> on youtube i have a website um yeah and please subscribe and comment below give this video a like or a share and give us video topics we would love to hear what people want to hear us talk yeah about. <laughs> question in the comments below or or email me through my website ladies and gentlemen yeah cool Thank you for watching and God bless. God bless.